Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, the only podcast for every week is a brand new concept. I am your producer, Ben, accompanied by your director, Matt, and Mother Plucker. We didn't have enough time to to, to watch Vince Russo-related wrestling content for this week, but what we do have is a very good movie on the docket as a part of Five Stars Under 50. Matt, you ready to talk about 2359 today? I am very ready to talk about this movie. It came out of desperation. It came out of a, a sense of urgency, a need to consume. Uh, when one one thing failed, updated, didn't work, re-updated, didn't work again, we followed our instincts. And our instincts and my instincts led us to 2359. And I am giddy with anticipation. But before we get to that, Ben, how you doing? I'm doing swell. My fiance has now officially graduated and has two master's degrees under her belt. On Saturday, we went to a lovely afternoon tea in celebration of Rebecca's mother's birthday. And Matt, let me tell you, have you ever done an afternoon tea before? Uh, I don't think in the formal sense that you're describing it. I have like, had like English high tea gimmick. Uh, I've done something similar to it. We did a we did a, a a Bavarian high tea when we were in Germany. Um, I'm sure it's similar enough. Yeah, close enough. Taryn Taryn has done has gone to multiple high teas uh, with her uh, with some of our close friends. Well, okay. I just gotta say, high tea is high tier awesome. Ooh, I love it. Oh my god. Because you have nothing to do for three hours except for eat tiny foods and drink tea. And when you are physically unable to do anything else, it's very relaxing. I mean, it sounds very relaxing, yeah. I mean... It took me over an hour to drink one pot of tea. A pot? And it was so nice. What kind of tea was it? It was a... uh, Okay, so I ordered a honey and chrysanthemum tea. Okay, that's got potential. The woman looks at me and she goes, green peach tea, yes. Wait, what? And I go, well, the honey chrysanthemum, yes, 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 green peach tea. Uh... Okay, well, she felt sure about it. I get the pot and now I don't know if it tastes like green peach or if it tastes like honey chrysanthemum. That That's what she was telling you. Yeah, so I'm like, is this the same tea? And, like, it used to be a different name? Like, I don't know. Did it at least taste good? It did. It was lovely. That's what matters. You want to shout out the the location? the little sugar cubes I got to put in there. The teacups were shaped like flower petals. Oh, my goodness. Do you want to shout out this beautiful establishment? I would, but I don't remember the name of it. Fantastic. Yeah, it was also pretty expensive. Oh, Uh, well... Eh, you know, our, no, they didn't our... earn it. <laughs> wow. It was, really, it was really fun, though. Um, <laughs> fun, also, fun, not worth the money, but fun. <laughs> and also, I went to... Well, I didn't go there. But well, actually, I, I went to the open house for the Van Eaton Gallery auction, which I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. They do consignments for uh, Disney memorabilia or collectibles. And that ranges from anything as long as it's related to Disney and even some non-Disney related stuff. But this one was really cool because it had a heavy focus on animation. 
I went last Wednesday to the open house. I was able to hold in my hand mat, in my greasy ass hands, an original hand-drawn background from one of the first Oswald the Lucky Rabbit cartoons released in 1928. Pre-Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Pre-Disney Studios, an original background of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. I got to speak out uh, original concept paintings for Sleeping Beauty and Alice in Wonderland. That's a like fantastic. we're not talking about animation cells, which they did have. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like the actual concepts that informed the art design of some of the most yeah. famous animated movies of all time. That's not. Wow, I was that's able really to look cool. at them like in person with my own two eyes. Did you kiss them? God, I wanted to. Uh, Instead, I was walked around by one of the guys who actually runs the gallery. He is A. Van Eaton. And let me tell you, Matt, I am so happy for that guy because I cannot imagine a person who loves their job more than that guy loves his job. Oh, I mean, that's good. It's good for him, I guess. I, I mean, like... You know how I am on my weird fun yep. facts and trivia. He's oh, worse we all, than we me. We all do here at Four Times the Charm. Yeah, but he's worse than me. Oh, that's I'm I'm glad yeah. he doesn't. He told us have a podcast. that he told us that uh, on on for trips for vacations, what he likes to do is he will take his wife and the two of them will drive to an obscure area in the U.S. that has some relation to Disney. So, for example, they went to a private residence, several-hour road trip drive away, to see mud pits that were featured in a Disneyland circle theater movie from the 70s. They're just mud pits? Yeah, they're just mud pits. What? What? That's, I swear to God, that's a little. But like, much. you know I mean, what? like, if that's your thing, like, do like, like, yeah, live your best life. Like, good for that guy. As long, like, well, I don't okay. Get... Hold on. The question is: Is his wife having a good time during this? Like, is, is like she like a willing, like, in, is, or is she just like sticking around? I mean, his wife wasn't there, but I hope she does because I'm sure she does not have a choice in the matter. Yeah, I was like, what kind of vibe did you get from the guy on it? Was he like, yeah, my wife and I, and it was like, ah, yes, I, this thing I lovingly do with her, this this thing I drag her to. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like he thinks she's up for it. Okay, that, I can respect that. I don't that. know, like, if she thinks that, but according to him, they're up for it. Okay, I can live with that. So, any any news coming out of your weekend, Matt? Uh, I did quite a f- I did some fun things. I went to the Chicago Bernie's Mountain Dog Meetup, which was a <laughs> wonderful good time because there were about uh, fifty. That to sounds 80. like so much energy. They were all. I mean, no, they're all giant chill dogs. So it was just a field of giant bears all walking around each other, being chill as fuck. That sounds amazing. Uh, it was wonderful. Lots of good dog snugs. Um, and what else did I do this weekend? I did some cool stuff at Jiu-Jitsu. I watched the Creator Clash, which, Ben, was the gr- single greatest content creator-based boxing event ever made. Uh, it was genuinely a great time. Dubs and Dr. Mike fought. Uh, Eric from Internet Common Etiquette fought. 
uh, Matt Reeves, the a financial YouTuber, fought another YouTuber. Uh, Yodeling Haley and, Je- and Jenna Minx had one of the best boxing matches I've seen out of two content creators. Uh, and just overall, it was That's a, a really... highly specific compliment. It's well, I mean, okay, I've seen I've seen females box better. I've seen females fight MMA better, but I've never seen two female co- internet content creators have a better boxing match. And it was yeah, like the my, first my one point. they've ever done when it comes to like boxing. So it was like a first and it was a great start. Uh, well, congrats on. Yeah. Well, so by that respect, it's also the worst one you've ever seen. Yes. A hundred percent. But I've seen, okay. but I have seen worse professional We're choosing the glass half full option. Yeah. Today. Well, really partially because I've seen much worse professional boxing and professional MMA fights between two women than these two random content creators put on. You're saying they, they throw strikes better than Ronda Rousey. Yeah. There was more head movement in this fight than the Amanda Nunez Ronda Rousey fight. Well, congrats to that. Yeah. It was a great event. If you didn't watch it, go check it out. Um, It's worth it. It was all for a good cause. I went to most all the money went to charity um, the only other thing I did this week, and if you follow us on the gram, um, you would have seen that I went to see the Blame Canada Tour with Sum 41 and Simple Plan co-headlining one of the most uproarious, energetic, and heart-filled shows I've been to in such a long time. Um, it was really a blast, a blast from the past, uh, not just because of these songs and, and the bands playing, but the performance and the crowd was so energetic. It felt just like how the the same show would have felt back in like 2008, 2010 when I was first going um, to some of these shows. Actually, no, like 2004, 2006. And it was a it was a really good time. They weirdly enough, Simple Plan headlined instead of Some 41. And I don't know how big of a fan you are of either of these two bands, Ben. Um, but some 41 plays a much more aggressive punk leaning, almost heavy metal sound that lends itself to a very energetic, uh, chaotic, intense crowd experience. Very fun, jovial, but much more intense compared to simple plan who has a much more emotional, calmer, more cooperative, huggy, sad boy approach. Now, if you were booking a show, which one of those bands would you set to close the night? Presumably some 41, right? Presumably. In all in all regards, I would have presumed the same. Um, but apparently not the radius in Chicago or this tour. Because some 41 played first. Played a full hour long set. Crushed it. Crowd went fucking ballistic. And then some, and then Simple Plan came on and played like again a very good set, and the crowd was very into it. But it was much calmer and more relaxed. Which so the the one thing I know, don't ask me how I know this, mm. but the one thing I know is that at least back in the day, Simple Plan tickets were hot, hot commodities. Oh like sure, you could like you could sell that. For a shitload. Some 41 was never like that. Well, some 41 actually had, I think, had better record sales and bigger um, overall reach. But I'm saying in terms of, like, 
butts and seats. Actual, like, in terms of, like, butts and seats and what people were willing to pay. Yeah. Simple plan. Sure. I don't know. I It's, it's... Like, I'm not sure if that affects this, but it's the only thing I know about them that could contribute to this. So, yeah, maybe. my two cents. There that's, they are. That's the, yeah, the only thing I can think of because, like, they, most of the crowd even felt the same way that Sum 41 was, like, the logical closing band given their performance, uh, you know, style. And I guess just not. <laughs> um guess not yeah but it was great anyway really emotional crowd everyone went fucking wild um for simple plan so it was nice that the energy was maintained and overall great time um i highly recommend uh anyone who hasn't visit the radius in chicago it was my first time attending this venue and from my understanding it's a relatively new venue um, and I think it is well worth your time and your effort to go attend it. All right. Well, then I think it's about time that we head into our main segment of the show. Last thing uh, is a quick shout out to WrestleCore, which is a Vancouver-based wrestling promotion. Sure. I caught them for the first time on uh, Friday. I watched one of their events. And they're a very fun promotion with a bunch of wrestlers most of us have never heard of. And the vast majority of them are really good and really commit to their characters. Oh. So if you guys do have a few extra minutes, you should check out uh, WrestleCore Pro Wrestling. Also, congratulations to our biggest fan this week, which Matt is... I was about to say, this week, coming in, in a difference of only three hours. Wow. Is same day. But one of these one of these two gentlemen is clearly speed running this biggest fan because our winner yet again was Mason. That's my boy. Mason That's com- my boy. coming in at 759. Brennan not coming in to a to a, a far, far later 902. Brennan, back to the outskirts of the UK you go. Yes. Back 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 to the place that is East that is west ba- back of to the northernmost tip of mainland Ireland, which is owned, <laughs> which is owned and under the control <laughs> of the British Empire. <laughs> We're gonna get the like great British Empire. The sun never sets on the British Empire. Oh God, we're gonna get fucking killed by the IRA. <laughs> And if you want to be our biggest fan, then you just need to use the passcode this week. And this week it is 60 seconds to midnight. Because, Matt, it's time we take a look at 2359. Welcome to Five Stars Under 50, the 
only show where we take a deep dive into Amazon Prime and other streaming services to find those lost, forgotten, and unseen horror movies. This week, we bring you the 2011 Singapore horror film, 2359, a story of a mysterious and grisly incident that takes place at a military barracks on a small island in Singapore, where their ghost story persists. We're at 2359, which, for you Americans out there, is 12.59, or 11.59, one hour, one minute before midnight, one minute to midnight, and this is directed by Gilbert Chan and is a horror ghost story that is utterly enrapturing. Now, one of us found this movie, but this movie found – oh, one of us found a, found this movie. And one of – yes, one of us might have found this movie, but one of us found themselves in this movie. Ben? I, I didn't find myself in this movie. Good you, Lord, I want to die. You 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 dove deeper into it. You invested your emotions. So I did. Uh, well, I watched there this was a, movie twice. And there was because, there was a bit of a lead up to us watching this too, which uh, might might help Ben's investment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so I had to watch it twice because the first time I was just happy we were watching something. And as we're watching, I'm like, is this movie actually good? Because for a Singapore movie that's never officially had a release in America, if you look at their Wikipedia, it's only, according to that, it's only been officially released in uh, Malaysia and Singapore. But watching this movie, I'm like, oh, it's just going to be some crappy horror film. And the more I'm watching it, the more I'm like, oh, wow, they're actually, you know subverting expectations a bit and it was very genuine. everything they're doing is really basic but they're doing it well only an hour and, and 18 minutes long only an hour and 18 minutes doesn't overstay his welcome and like the last six minutes of that are credits they have a ton of yeah. credits and by the end i was thoroughly impressed with it I, I mean this is really everything you want in a horror movie uh this is like the definition of five stars under 50 is yeah. uh, is uh 2359 this in charnel house this is very much in a charnel house category for me no this is better than it's better it's better but it's a very genuine movie with a simple concept that delivers on it harder than it ever should have yeah once again it's nothing like charnel house oh i like charnel house a lot charnel house had its moments but the plot was still stupid uh this movie okay well I think works in many ways, not in spite of itself, but I think it has many unintended benefits mm-hmm. to the movie. The whole overarching idea of the movie is what happens when a bunch of teenage boys get told a bunch of ghost stories. That's really the yeah. thrust of the movie. It's it's um, very it's very much so a fairy tale kind of story where it's one person tells everyone that something evil and there's a spooky ghost and everyone's like nah and then that person dies in a weird and spooky way now another person believes it must be a spooky ghost and then twists and turns reveal themselves so that you become part of the unraveling of the true story behind the spooky murder ghost honestly this movie's kind of like a singapore nightmare on elm street and i mean it's not but it's kind of in that corner 
of cinema. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's a, it's a movie where fear is an actual tangible part of the film. Yeah. And like, fear is what drives the plot, I guess, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. That, that and the mannequin at the end. Training to be soldiers. Training to be soldiers. Fight for our land. Fight for our land. Fight for our land. This time I die, die must call Dangi to come here. Yeah, the mannequin too. Mannequin's fine also. Uh, the overall the the overall story is it opens up at a military camp mm-hmm. and we are a few weeks ahead of their final march which is a 30 kilometer trek 24. Uh, it's it's essentially an endurance test. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a road march where you you simulate yeah what you would do if you had to actually like do a long-term march and tension they're usually very grueling on the participants in here there's i'd say roughly a dozen teenage kids the head of them or the main character for our intents and purposes is a very stoic individual by the name of jeremy and jeremy's best friend tan is a kid who's much more nervous much more shy and when the antagonist of the group, the obnoxious dragon, starts spewing tales about ghost stories on the island they're stationed on, he starts freaking out. Yeah. And one of the smartest things that this movie does is that, like A Nightmare on Elm Street, nothing horror-related in the movie is prompted until a story is told yep. that allows people to feel that fear. And another thing that makes the movie strong, and I feel like this is one of the biggest missed points from a bunch of people who've reviewed this movie. Yeah, because just, just everyone is, knows this has 35 reviews on Amazon Prime with only three and a half stars. And on IMDb, it has a 4.5 out of 10. Yeah. I feel like what a lot of people miss because they say the plot's confusing. What? Yeah. I mean, the people say the plot's a, the pacing's a very little back confusing. and forth, but... Well, one of the main motifs that's used throughout the movie is you learn more stories about legends on the island. Mm-hmm. The first legend you hear about is about a woman who killed herself at 2359. 
And then they talk about how if a pregnant woman kills herself, then she'll become an evil, vengeful spirit. Mm -hmm. And they say that there's someone still roaming the island, the vengeful widow or vengeful pregnant lady. Like, which is like 40% of any any horror ghost story from like the 1920s. Right. And then there's another legend about a teenage boy from the barracks who killed himself and maybe he's haunting the grounds which as we later find out the guy who oversees all of them also oversaw that person as they killed themselves (gasps) so looking at everything in a traditional storytelling style you essentially have three or four Chekhov's guns throughout the movie that are introduced over the course of the movie And you're not sure which of them, if any, are actually relevant to the main plot. Because there are dream sequences that could be attributed to each of the individual stories that Dragon tells the kids in the barracks. You see a woman with her face caved in. You see a woman with her child. You see... Uh, you you see the story that ends up taking more of the focus in the second half of the movie, which is a woman who was a medium, and she gave birth to a but, disfigured child don't, don't that for- was attributed to vengeful spirits. But by the time we get to that story, Tan has already been murdered by something. By something. At, yes. the, at this point, so we don't the know. He's just found incident- dead in the woods. Yeah, the inciting incident is on their final long march. Tan, who keeps seeing ghosts, keeps seeing... Uh, and is being largely ignored by the everybody. Night. They're saying that he's like, you're, they're like, right. you're crying wolf. He's like, no, I am being tortured by spirits. And they're like, no, and you're And eventually, he turns up in the woods dead. No one saw how he died. We just see that he's dead. Unfortunately for the kids, or fortunately, depending oh. on how you want to look at the movie... Their uh, overseeing adult officer is Mm -hmm. also someone who's very much in tune with spirituality. And he's someone who very much believes all the legends himself. So he's helping propagate these stories, giving everyone charms to protect each Mm -hmm. other from the spirits of the forest. And that's getting him in trouble with his boss. One of the things that I found very interesting with this movie, and this is more an interesting fact, apparently, of Singapore culture. I don't I don't know a ton about Singapore, so yeah, if I, I say something I, I'm not supposed to say, I don't know. Yeah, this, this isn't like a, uh, a situation with, uh, with uh, Northern Ireland. We actually know that Singapore's a place to be yeah. respected. It's interesting, though, because language in the movie is very mixed yeah weirdly so like i hear bits of chinese thrown in there there's a lot of the the overseeing officers when they're talking to each other they force each other to speak in english Mm -hmm. which seems to introduce a sort of um systemic classist separation yeah between the guy who oversees the kids and the guy who oversees him mm-hmm. uh, because his English isn't nearly as good. And there's a sort of tension that's introduced in the movie with that. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah, it's like he's less, he's less than because he wasn't able to 
learn the language or some yeah weird... but it also plays into the main plot where his boss and i don't, I don't know i don't remember the terms of like where their standings are the yeah. the, the credits were not in english so don't, not at all i don't have the exact names but um but you know it's one of those things where because the guy underneath is a lot more spiritual and a lot more close to that society mm-hmm. as opposed to the guy who speaks english and he goes i don't care what you believe in like they're still a dead kid and we yeah. have to handle that a much more american way of looking at it and there's a lot of subtext throughout the movie that helps inform the decisions of the students after tan dies what else happens in the barracks well one of the other students chester becomes uh he becomes possessed by a bunch of by by something and the overseer is like all right guys not gonna let anyone else die here i'm gonna bring in an exorcist to get rid of this which is like a weird choice Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, and and even the guy talking, even the guy ranking above him is like, why are you doing this? Like, this is ridiculous. But he's like, nope, my kids, my decision. And to be fair, it works until uh, Chester and our main character, Jeremy, who's been driving the plot forward. Uh, Jeremy wants to be shown what happened in the woods that Chester knows of with Tan. Terrible choice, terrible choice. And Chester takes him to a location where they found a strange-looking child, which harkens back... Strange-looking is one way to put it. Yeah, I felt like that was a physically deformed... Well, it's like, it's meant to be, like, intense. Like, it's not, not like, subtle... it's it's no it's meant to be like elephant boy type of thing yeah i I mean like not that not that i think that's a problem but it's like inherently what the directors and the filmmakers are trying to do yeah yeah yeah. and so while the two of them are out alone in the woods chester is mysteriously attacked by invisible spirit and dies and then through tan through jeremy the vengeful spirit of the mother and her deformed son reconcile through each other and disappear into the ether no Uh, i and and that's i could see how that part did would bother like people who don't watch a lot of these movies that that's like a broad strokes of the story because i do encourage people to watch it and i don't think that like truly spoils the journey of the movie that no much. especially with how quickly it happens like the fact that this yeah, movie I mean, is only an hour and 18 minute minutes long really forces like a condensed uh, like aggressively quick story and thankfully and i think one of the biggest boons of this entire film is how good the performances are like none of the yeah. actors and I, I mean that might be maybe to do something that we don't speak the native language or used to watch, or used to watching yeah, films sure, from the I, area. I'm sure but, part of it is we're giving them a bit of a pass, but, but they like, seemed really like, genuine and like they yeah, were it did. really acting. I I mean Jeremy's performance, the main mm-hmm. kid, like he gives a great performance, and I love the overseeing officer as well. I think he does a really good job of bridging the gap of I know I'm shitty at my job, 
but I also believe ghosts are real and like I, I like you. I know what I need to do. And because it's not an American style film, they're not beating you over the head with anything. There's no, no overbearing music. The soundtrack in this movie super understated and super good. Yeah, simplicity done in the perfect degree. Um, yeah. And th- this, for fans of the show, I know we've talked about the greatest uh, Taiwanese horror film ever made, Pimak, um, has a similar uh, like vibe to it when it comes to just like, it has a story that can be, I think you could describe as pretty tropey and simple, but there's such a genuine and direct nature to the way the story's told and the structure is refreshing that by the time you finish the journey, you really feel like you went on something that was unique and not just derivative. Yeah, I'll be honest. I like this movie more than Pima. Well, okay, that's that's some fighting words. I did. I, I really did. Be, because what drives this movie is the idea of you don't know... If any of this is really happening, you don't in Pimok either. That's what makes Pimok so or, good. Pimok. Pimok is the single greatest horror film I've seen in the last ten years. I know you don't believe that, Matt. I don't, but Pimok is. I amazing. know you don't believe that. Go see Pimok. The Pimok is a good movie. What I like about this is that it, it's one of the few movies that has an unreliable narrator. Yeah, but like it's not telling you that it's an unreliable narrator because for the most part we see everything through the eyes of Jeremy. And what's so great about that is that I know he believes what he's seeing and that's what we're seeing. But if you actually look at the events that transpire in the movie, this kid is having a mental breakdown because one of the biggest moments of the movie is just thrown in there on the side. Jeremy starts out one of the biggest skeptics, yeah. That any of this is happening. And that changes right after he's told that his father, who was a medium, and when he grew up, forced Jeremy into like his medium con man schemes, he dies. And he he's just offhandedly told this, and he specifically does not take any time off. He yeah. does not take any time to grieve. He's at his most vulnerable point when everything around him is being questioned and like everything around them starts falling apart and that's when he starts having more dreams and that's when everything really escalates and I, I when think... him and chester go into the forest themselves yeah that's him having a breakdown and killing chester oh 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. and it's it's even more incredible from this performance because this is the actor henry uh, henley he henley high um, this is his. This was his very first ever role. Yeah, this was his well, debut think, performance, and that's true for most of the people in this movie. Yeah, I think it was a really good mix of good acting and also good direction. Mm-hmm. Um, like especially for first time actors to get that good of a performance, you need a great director. Fun fact: I was watching the making of of this movie, mm-hmm. and uh, the scene where he trips in the forest and falls and does like a combat role. Okay. They had him do that like four times legit. (sighs) They asked him if he wanted a stunt double and he Mm. said no. Oh, what a gangster. Yeah. But the second time he did it, he legitimately sprang his, sprung his ankle. Oh man. 
Yeah, and so him limping at the end, I think, is legit. And they just kept filming because he hurt himself. Well, I get. Well, they just worked it in. Yeah, but that's like amazing. he actually roughed himself up, and they're just like, "Ah, look at you, champ!" I'm like, "Dedication." This, this would never fly on an American film set. That's what true for, uh, international independent filmmaking's about. Um. But yeah, so it's I, I just love the unreliable narrator in this because yeah. it's done so subtly and it seems like no one actually picks up on it at all in the reviews. I mean, and maybe they didn't even intend for it, but they did it and it's done really well because there's not a single moment in the whole movie where it can't be explained by just, oh, someone said something. Oh, like everyone just you know, like saw a bat or a bird or something. It, it's, it's that lack of faith that really makes the whole movie pop. Yeah. It, it, it creates that kind of air of uncertainty where you don't know if it's like, Oh, this is one of the movies where no one believes and then everything, ha- what good happens? Or is it just kind of a, a meandering walk forward? And it turns out to actually be, like a more interesting version of either of those two options. Yeah, because everyone in this movie does believe. It's not really a question about faith. It's almost a reversed movie mm. where instead of, oh, we don't believe in ghosts and them trying to convince them, it's everyone believes in ghosts and they're trying to convince the main character, yes, this is happening. And it just refuses. Yeah, and like they didn't need to do a lot to to show it off you know uh another fun fact i learned from the making of the wild boar they use in one scene in the movie oh yeah (laughs) yeah that's a legit boar they wrangled on set holy Uh, shit i mean they brought him on set they they brought him on set they wrangled him but then it got loose and so they spent forever trying to like recapture the pig for this one like 30 second scene man they should have filmed that made that part of the movie i know right so i that that was me gushing for like 20 minutes straight about why i really enjoyed this movie i uh what what else did you like matt about this Uh, i mean we kind of covered really really what what there is to say it's a well-performed movie that is shockingly well-written uh great director it was one of his it was only his third feature uh, we definitely plan on watching Ghost Child and hit the sequel to this movie, 2359, The Haunting Hour. Now, Ben and I have not watched the trailer, anything about The Haunting Hour, but we will. And you're going to hear exactly what we think right after a message from our sponsors. I, f- I feel like there's more to talk about with this movie, but it's really such a singular idea, you know? It's it's like it's like one single through line. It's such a basic story told so well. Like I can't imagine telling like this story in a better way. You know, like if this yep. guy directed Goosebumps, yeah, right. Like that'd be awesome. We gotta get this guy to direct Goosebumps. We gotta we gotta get an interview with this man. Ask him what his dreams and aspirations are. Can we get are. Gilbert Chan for Goosebumps? Gilbert like, Chan for like Goosebumps. no cap. God, why why the fuck did you just say no cap? Because, Matt, if you don't adapt with the times, the times will adapt you. No, All right. Not going to happen. 2359. But... Yep. The Haunting Hour. All right, <laughs> let's check this trailer out. Three, two, one. 
leg. These two months spent in VMT, I've learned many new things. My physical condition has never been better. I was oh, my English got better. Mm -hmm. My army buddies all adore me. This is like... They listen to what I have to say and treat me like their leader. And they all think we are very compatible. Wait, is this an Evil Dead 2 of 2359? I'm pretty sure it... What? What? Okay, well, Holy the vibe shit. of 2359, okay. The Haunting Hour, Please watch is this trailer. very, very different. This is like, um, this is like wow. grindhouse, like Japanese style horror, like full, there was a snake person in this trailer, I think. That was, that yeah, was. Can I get. Wow, I want, what I want, the hell. <laughs> I need Gilbert Chan on for for the. I really. I, it seems like he would speak English since there's so many English speakers on this. Yeah, I hope and, so. And also, also the English writing for the movie was very good too. Yeah, yeah. The inclusion. If, if like, this wait, once again, I don't know the relationship between Singapore and their languages. I, should we look that up here? I got Let's you. look that up. They're an amazing country. Yeah, we love Singapore. Is I mean, Singapore it's like Singapore is like... actually like very beautiful. They make great fucking food. I'm pretty sure at some point in time they were an English colony. They have four official languages: Mala, Mandarin, Tam Tamil, and English. Because of its bilingual wow. educational policy, most students speak two or more languages, usually English, and their ethnic mother tongue. Huh. Well, look at that. So having mixed English in their in their dialogue apparently makes sense for uh, Singapore. The national anthem of Singapore is sung in the Mala language, uh, which was once the national language before British colonization. Colonization. There's something about the majority of the population originally being from China, so Mandarin was a major recognized language. But I'm not sure about that one. Uh, part of Oh, part of uh, Singapore's population originally hailed from uh, southern India. So Tamil, huh. which I believe is an Indian dialect, is one of their main languages. Students also have the option of studying other Indian languages like uh, Bengali, Hindi, Urdu, and Punjabi in school. And the well, I know what the answer for our next 20 around yep. the world in 20 questions is. I was be. thinking the same thing. Um, but also... Um, the uh, influence of the British colonialism cannot be denied as English is the most common spoken language in the urban areas of Singapore. Huh. And then there's there's a bunch of information on the on the sing different Singapore dialects, but that's, yeah. Well, neat. Look at that. Oh, whoa. Actually, no, here, this is actually might be it. Singapore's least official, but probably most common and idiosyncratic language is Singlish. A sort of Creole English that incorporates uh, loan words and elements of Singapore's other languages and dialects mixed with English. Oh, well, look at that. Maybe that's what... Well, they do transition into full English at Yeah, but, I, but, but so there are Creole. moments where they, like, 
float in and out like a creole yeah well and they can creole they switch back and forth like directly there's whole sentences yeah. in creole that are in french well, yeah and, that's what they that's yeah. what they did in the movie so i'm saying it, they maybe they are specifically speaking um singlish this is another question we have for director amazing artur uh gilbert chan yeah matt uh i will i will let you score this first how do you rank 2359 2011 five stars under 50 what do you i give it? will be giving this a five stars under 50 four star review uh not wow. a, not a perfect movie not the best movie we've watched as part of five stars under 50 but consistent enjoyable and i'm i am not an i don't not want to watch it again um i actually would love to go back and give this movie another shot and really enjoy the experience and some of the reviews on amazon prime are just terrible given that someone's yeah, a only lot of them are legit unfair it's just there's, there's, there's no english says, dub it's there's one that says it's filled with sex wait what yeah, there was a re- review that said it's filled with sex. There's no sex in this at all. Yeah, and some other there's barely even allusions to sex. Yeah, one one person's uh, five star review is product received as advertised. Well, good for him. <laughs> uh, well, where, where where are you coming on this? Where where is your five stars meter flopping? It's it's hard because it's in terms of like feature length movies. I think our only official five star under 50 was uh uh was uh not not it was the plague right writer and director's cut yes well the how masonberg's the plague is a five and only like less than 50 people have seen that movie and so like my question is is this movie as good as that no it's not but it's it's really really good is really good. Like I, what the reason I feel bad for this movie is I don't know of a scenario where I can get more people to watch this movie but because I, it's such a hyper specific type of movie that like if you don't go in with a certain mindset, you're not gonna like it. Yeah, but you, like you ha- this is such an us movie. That it felt like this movie was made for us and no if, one else in the world. If you listen to all four episodes on Cube, then you will like this movie. <laughs> yeah. If if yeah. you could, if you like Cube, you'd like this movie. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go in with a, and a dear like not. I I don't want to say lower your standards because that's not the right mentality. You have to go in with a deep passion. And like respect for these types of stories and seeing it done so genuinely. So and such a straightforward delivery. It is so relaxing. This it's, is, this is I, like, I, this is like, comfort I'll say food. what it is. Yeah. It, this is for a movie like this. You need to go in with zero preconceived notion of what a movie is. Ben and I didn't even know it was from Singapore. when We started watching it. We, yeah, I thought we this was going to be in English. I get a lot more enjoyment out of movies when I go in being like, I, when I go in and I just don't think of what I should expect from mm-hmm. a movie. Because when you start thinking about like, well, this movie's not good because it didn't go this way, you lose a lot. Yeah. This movie is very good because it uses lots of uninflected storytelling. Oh, yeah. I'm adapting. 
from David Mamet. It's like the fourth time in a month I've mentioned David Mamet. Yeah, you've you've really really tried to work on that logos. Well, it's that's ethos, Matt. No, logos is your your. Or, or, I'm sorry, it's pathos. Sorry, pathos. Well, I would I I considered it logos because it was about your logic and your credibility. Credibility is ethos, not not no, logos. No, e- ethos is like your ethic and your presentation. Ethos is the character and the trustworthiness of how you're presenting your information. Logos are the base facts that you put inside of it. Pathos is the emotional argument. So emotional argument, okay. logical argument, yeah. and then how you deliver the argument. Yeah, I mixed it up. Yeah, yeah. ethos using character, pathos using emotions, logos yeah. using logic. Yeah. Well, your ethos are really trying to build up. I- I'm glad that you want the five stars under 50 fans to view you as a credible film source. Well, you know what, Matt? On the bright side, you'll have more chances to get that comparison right. May not get it next time or the time after, but I'm sure you'll get it right when the fourth time's the charm. Good night, everybody. Good morning. What, 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 what?